0: Hello everybody and welcome to The Late Flag, the after podcast of the LFC Red Poets. I'm your host Les Lawson and to, this afternoon I'm joined by Tom Keegan, Mike Wilson and our special guest from Radio Verde's side, Paul Saltz. Pete sends his apologies, he's got that flu bug that is going around the Liverpool camp, so Mike is blaming him for passing it on to all the players. <laughs> so, so we'll start, Tom, as we always do, with the team that dropped around about two o'clock yesterday, and you know the most noticeable absentee amongst a fair few was Allison. So, what did you make when you when you saw the team? To be fair, it was still quite a a strong team, but the bench looked pretty pretty sparse, didn't it? With a lot of the lot of the kids.
1: Yeah, that that, that and Joe Gomez. Les, when you when when first saw it or first heard that they hadn't, you know, like they they, they were both missing. You know, from the walk in the in the morning time, and you you're thinking, well, you know, it's probably something like like it like the flu bug that's been going around. But we looked at the team, and you you're thinking it's Burnley, and we had more than enough in the side to be able to go. You know, like to, to, to trouble them and, and to take all three points. It was strong enough side was that you look? Endo was back in midfield. I, I was wondering how that was going to work really, whether they were going to push. McAllister into the eight, and then and then you know play Curtis alongside them, but um so overall I thought I thought defense looked quite strong and I thought I thought the, the forward line looked really strong so overall I was quite happy with the side.
0: Yeah, Saltie, it was it was one of them, wasn't it? Where you know you heard from Jürgen's press conference on Friday there, there was a few injuries. So you know, was out. You know, there was still no sign of Salah coming back. You know, Thiago had gone down and was likely a possibility now that he was going to be out for the rest of the season. And then on top of that, you know, he mentioned that there was a bit of a, a flu bug going around. So you're then wondering, you know, what sort of side you're gonna put out. But then you're thinking, you know, we you know, if there was a if there was a side you could choose to have these problems
2: against, it probably would have been Burnley. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It was interesting watching the uh, the press conference that Klopp gave before the game on, on Friday. I actually thought he seemed a little bit downbeat in that press conference. He seemed like, he, you know, he, he wasn't kind of up for it as, as much as you expect. And I think it's probably because he knew that half the squad had got the flu. I mean, I don't know whether he, he might have even had a bit of a doubt. If it can affect Pete Warburton it can affect anyone, let's be honest, but it, it did it did feel like he was a bit down and, and we'd already seen, hadn't we, that Gomez hadn't trained the day before because I think Gomez might have started at centre-half yesterday if he'd been fit and he probably wouldn't have played Kwanzaa. Um, but I, I think you're right in terms of, you're looking at the games that, that Liverpool have got between now and the end of the season. You look at Burnley at home and think, well, that's the game where we can perhaps do without a few players. But, Football doesn't always work like that, does it? And as we saw yesterday, there were, there were some sticky moments there. At half time I was thinking, God, we can't drop points here. If we drop points here, we you know, this is really, really gonna have a negative effect on the rest of our season. But all in all, it was one of those lineups where it got the job done, and that's all you want at this stage of the season. Yeah, it's a fair point that, isn't it, Mike? That uh, you know, we we saw it, so we were looking at
0: it, and you know. When you when you looked at the starting that lineup that that Jurgen selected, you know, it was still a pretty strong lineup. The only thing you were you were a little bit concerned about was that you know things weren't going well. Then what cards did you have to play from the bench? And especially you know defensively, you looked you looked at the bench and there was only you know Costas on the bench. who was a recognised defender. No centre back cover at all. I just thinking, you know, it's really important to you that we don't pick up, you know, an injury, you know, especially to a centre back, because you know if we do, you know, what's he going to do, so to speak? You were thinking that Hendo might be the, you know, the one who would
3: have to drop back. So,
0: so that was a concern, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, and and when uh, when Kwanzaa got himself booked on about the seventh minute or eighth minute. He suddenly started having visions of Canate getting two yellows and uh, uh, the other day, and and what would that what would that leave us? I, I mean, it was if if you take out the two subs, the, the two players that had um, sickness bugs, it's kind of the the team I hoped for. Um, I, I thought maybe Gomez might have played at centre half um, if he was going to bring Robertson back in, uh, and assume that Trent would play. Uh, I mean, I, th- I thought Trent went off ill. I thought he might have been ill because he looked ill. Because I I sit on row three and he looked he looked like he was probably struggling. But it turns out it was a, a leg injury again, wasn't it? But yeah, I mean, you kind of with it with it not being a Sean Dice Burnley, you kind of thought this might be easier. But actually, they weren't. They 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 put the work in. They were pretty decent, certainly in the first twenty minutes. They didn't let us settle. We weren't great, but they didn't let us settle at all. So, yeah, it was um, it, it was a team you thought they would win, but you're right, the bench was pretty scant, wasn't it? Tom, they started off the, the game quicker than what we
0: did, let us say. They pushed us back and it took, it took us about 15, 20 minutes to start to get into our stride. You know, there, was a, there was a couple of, let's say, skirmishes or frights that we had you know, Mike mentioned there, you know, that your know, Kwanzaa was booked for, for a foul when they were breaking down the down the right hand side. And you thought, you know, what what sort of long term repercussions is, is repercussions is that gonna have, you know, during the game. Um and then you know, and then Liverpool's gradually started to get into the game. Is that a fair assessment?
1: It is really less. Like, I thought I- I thought we had plenty, we had plenty of ball in me, but we didn't really do it, anything with it. You know, like the forwards weren't holding it all in the playoff. And like we weren't really we weren't really searching from it. I think we I, I looked at the midfield and went what I said to you before about I wondered how it'd work out with Endo and, and and McAllister. But McAllister, I think he only had about six touches in the first 20 minutes of the game, you know, like he, he sort of like he didn't do anything, so he was sort of causing limbo. So we'd lost a little bit from the midfield, like from the driver. Thought Lucio was, was 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 starting to get get the ball and started to start to try and stretch them. But overall, I didn't think we we were we were that quick or we were that that decisive with our passing. You know, I thought you know what, they're a funny little side, barely, aren't they? You know they're a very, very young side and he's got them quite, he's got them quite, they're an attacking side, you know, and they're going to go down this season because they're not going to accumulate a great deal of points because they're quite open, but you know what, the longer he stays there, you can see they're not a bad little side, they, you, you, they'll hurt teams along the way, you know, and give teams a bloody nose, but yeah, I thought they started off really quite well and they didn't have much to lose, really, did he? I thought, I thought Keller made a great save as well, a, a bit, a bit later on. You know, from the first real attack that he got behind us. But as, as, as Paul said, you know, you coming towards the half time, you're thinking, you thinking, we can't afford to drop any points against these. You know,
0: I know it was, it was one of those first twenty minutes, salty, wasn't it, where Liverpool, Liverpool's midfield particularly seemed a bit disjointed. You were looking at Trent and you're thinking, as Mike said, you know, is he is he affected by this flu bug but as being the one who's been forced to play? And then then you're standing there watching and you're thinking to yourself, Yeah, you know, we didn't really look fit against Arsenal last week. And you were hoping that maybe you know a full week's training would have sort of kicked him on a little bit. But he seemed a little bit below par, let us say, by his own by his own standards, and you were starting to get a little bit worried that maybe the the flu bug was going through the side a little bit more than than
2: was seen by the team selection. Yeah, I I actually thought I'm um, like the rest of you. I thought he he must have had a bit of the flu. The the way he was playing. I mean, the one thing I would say is he was he was below par, but he still puts in an absolute belter of a, a corner for the for the first goal. So there were still elements of his game that were really good, Trent. But he just looked a bit off the pace, didn't he? He looked, he looked slow and lethargic. And actually, if you look at the equalising goal, it comes from him being beaten down that side. And that's what leads to the corner. And that's how they get the goal back. So he he didn't look right. And the, the midfield, I thought Endo started to get into the game a bit more as it went on. But I thought he took time to, to bed in. Of course, he gets his customary booking that he gets every single time, anyway. So, you know, no one's surprised about that. But in front of him as well, McAllister looked like he was struggling actually a little bit in adapting to playing in where we all want to see him play. But that that first half, he was on. He was kind of like on the right of the midfield, and it wasn't it wasn't really working for him. As you said, he only had a few touches, and he couldn't really seem to get into the game. I thought McAllister grew into the game a bit more. When Elliot came on, um, and we'll probably talk about Elliot in in more detail a little bit later on. But the the whole the whole start of the game just felt really flat. It actually felt like a half twelve kickoff to me, and it wasn't. It was you know we've been crying out for a three o'clock on a Saturday since the beginning of the season. It's only the second one, and it, it felt it was one of those games where you you know if the team don't start well, the crowd kind of get a bit anxious, and the, the two sort of feed off. Each other, but not necessarily in a, in a good way. And we had a bit of the ball, but until until we get the opening goal, we didn't really trouble them very much, did we? No, they were getting a lot of sort of
0: free kicks, weren't they? Sort of for offside and for little sort of niggly fouls. And the the keep was sort of kicking them long, you know, trying to put us under pressure that way. And when he was getting the ball, you know, even from back passes or goal kicks or whatever. You know, he was really taking his time and the referee wasn't wasn't doing anything about it. And that was sort of frustrating the crowd as well. And you know, I as both Salty and, and Thomas said there, Mike, it was a case where I don't think the midfield, especially McAllister and, and Endo really knew what role they were playing. Because to me, when I, I was still on the cop, they're both too close together at times, and you were looking down down sort of the right hand side and that was empty with Curtis on the left. And so it just seemed like a bit disjointed, didn't it? And eventually we started to to get a grip on the game and force them back and force, you know, a few free kicks and corners around, you know, the edge of the edge of their box and you know and sort of put them under a little bit of pressure without really working the goalkeeper. Is that a fair
3: assessment? Yeah, I, I think I think it was it was a weird start to the game, wasn't it? Because because you mentioned McAllister and Endo, but I didn't even think Jones had his his best his best game. He was um, he was back to the Jones of old a little bit. Where I know I know Klopp made a comment about Jones quite recently about the fact that he's been giving and going and 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 as a result, he's really been adding value to the team. He, he was kind of back to the holding onto the ball a bit too long and, and it going nowhere thing. But I think for me, it settled down a little bit when when Endo settled down a little bit because in the early days, in the early part of the game, kept losing the ball in midfield and that set up attacks for them and it and it prevented us from, from break, breaking ourselves. Once Endo settled, I think it helped McAllister settle. You're right. McAllister was a lot better on the left, uh, left number eight, rather than the right number eight. Um, and, and and it, but but the whole whole first half was weird. We counted Trafford had the ball in his hands for twenty seconds or more four times. It's not like the ref wasn't let know about this by the by the crowd. I, this this is where we're going go tangentially. This is where I think the blue cards just a nonsense because unless they learn to use the cards they've got properly, they're just going to make an absolute mountain of a mess with a blue card, aren't they? Because if you, I know that they don't apply six seconds, but twenty seconds four times. He had the ball for about ten minutes in the first half, and 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 that stopped the game and. You've got you've got to have your refs doing that because we weren't playing well, but it didn't help that the game was being broken up and broken up. And the other thing they were doing is, when they had a goal kick, he would usher his players back so he could do a short one. And then when they all came back, he'd tell them to go back up again. So again, wasting more time. And the whole of the, the game was just, it never got going in the first half until we scored. Yeah, so we couldn't. The other thing that, that I found frustrating in the first half, Tom,
0: was that we couldn't get Darwin into the game. You know what I mean? He was there was no nothing really for them to to feed on. The build up didn't seem right in, in bringing him into the game. You no, know, there was a few balls going over the top. They would happen to chase down. He was getting no protection from the referee. He was getting he, he had there was another situation very similar to to the one at Arsenal last week where he got dragged back by the centre half on the halfway line and for the second week running we didn't get a free kick this time would gave the same reaction but this time the referee chose not to book him but it was frustrating wasn't it that we we couldn't get him we couldn't get him into the game and eventually you know we got a corner and it was a, a lovely ball in from Trent and Jota you know the slaughter, you know beat his marker and, and I said it finish, and they were trying to, you know, they were trying to say there was a foul on the goalkeeper, but it was his <laughs> own man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that, he was screaming for that, where did traffic, was standing with his hand up, but when, when he played, when he, when he played the replay, he could see, it was, it was his own player, he bumped into, so like, that was, that was the way, I think, something you and, and what Mike had said there, I think, I think with Curtis, to be fair to Curtis, I think he was holding on to the ball because I don't think we were breaking. I don't think any of the front, front three. I think I think he Diaz started off uh, as if he was trying to find space, but often, very, very often he would doubled up over uh, out on the flank. So there was no space for cases to run into. So while he had hold of the ball, he had to turn back because there was there was no one to pass to after the time. And I think that as you said with, with, with darwin where he's usually running and, and exploiting space and making space and Jota's doing the same but well, I, I didn't think i didn't think either i didn't think any of the front three in the first part you know did 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 really enough to, to sort of break them or to trouble them and that's why they had it quite easy i think but sometimes you've got to you've got to say teams are and I know what Mike was talking about, about teams coming to Anfield, but we have to get used to that. That's what teams do now. Goalkeepers drop to the floor. They hang on to the ball for 20 seconds. Defenders take loads of time with free kicks. It's just, it's just to disrupt the players. So I think that's part and parcel of what we have to put up with. Referees are very, very, well, I'll give them a benefit of the doubt and say lenient, but like I could say incompetent, but to be fair, I think the I think the second
0: word is a better description
1: that probably is, but yes. I, I'm I'm sick of I'm sick of moaning about referees, so yes. I'm not gonna be able to really say it today. But um yeah, I, I thought then and and then what, what you said Les about when Josh has scored and finally found out, and as Paul said it was a great cross by sense. When we found the space you thought, now that's it now, this will open them up, this will give us the space, this will will, will make like Nunes, Diaz, and, and Jotty more space, and we'll run a we, we'll run a here. But it didn't seem to happen. We sort of went back into our shell again, didn't we?
0: Yeah, but but salty. It was a lovely finish by Jot, wasn't it? You know, as you you indicated before, you know, when we were talking about sense, you know, despite you and know, being a little bit off in terms of you know he wasn't fit. He might have been, you know, not fit, and also suffering from a little bit of the bug that's been going round but he still showed that quality and that quality that he had got us ahead you know, and got the breakthrough, which which
2: was a great leap to us all. Yeah, and I think to be fair to Trent as well, even though we, we've already spoken about how he wasn't necessarily at his, his best, early on in the game where we were struggling and nothing was really happening, he was still trying to get us going, wasn't he? And it, it didn't work a lot of the time, but... That's what he gives you. He gives you that, you know, that incisive pass which might just lead to something. And in this case, it was a set play and a and a, and a corner. And you know, f- for me, that that is just Jota all over, isn't it? You know, it was it was a a well taken finish. You know, the, the the keeper I think did make a bit of a mess of it, but Jota was one of those players that even when things weren't going going necessarily right, he was still everywhere. He was still. Constantly trying to get himself involved, and I think his games come on a little bit, really, Jota. I think gone are the days now where you'd sit there and go, "Oh God, I've forgotten he was playing." Actually, I've forgotten he was playing, and then and then he'd slot one in. I think he is. I think genuinely, he is more involved in games now, and he was really, really trying to do that throughout the course of the first half, where for the majority of the time, we we were struggling in the game. Yeah, Mike, it was. It was a relief, wasn't it, to, to go ahead and then,
0: you know, as Tom sort of mentioned there, you thought, right, that should be the, the sort of starter pistol now for us to go on, get a second before half-time and make this more comfortable. But we didn't seem to be able to to kick on and, and open them up. And again, you know, between the time we scored after about you know, 30 minutes and half-time, I don't think again, that we really were the goalkeeper, and then out of nowhere they they sort of got got some sort of a break. I think everybody thought the ball was going out down the right hand side, and somehow it stayed in. And then we had two opportunities. I can't remember. I know Trent was one. I can't remember the second one was. Well, might have been McAllister to put the ball out for the throw in, and somehow the guy, the Burnley player, kept going forward put a cross in and Rob did well to be fair at the back post to put it out for a corner and then from that corner it was an outswinger and the guy from just inside our penalty area put in a hell of a header into the top corner and I don't think even, even if Alison had been playing he'd have saved it because he was right in, right in the top bin. But, but again it was sloppy by Liverpool not so much from the corner although people might argue you know what outcome he was able to get a header in there, so I don't really know which player was was responsible for picking him up. But the guy who was getting down the line, he should never have been allowed to get that far.
3: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know whether it was Trent's injury, illness, or whatever that meant he was so easy to get past. Because, in fairness, people, we we have to accept that. Um, that's something that happens to Trent occasionally. Anyway, we we we, we should have had uh, the the wherewithal as a team to be able to keep that that from getting closer to the box. We didn't. The, the like you said, Robbo was really good on the back post, made sure that, uh, that they can get the shine. It's it's difficult now to know what to say about the the goal because, as you say, it, it was a really good header into the top corner. Uh, it, it's just strange that it was so far out kind of um, but but somebody ought to have been at least if somebody puts the slightest challenge on there he's not going to get the accuracy that he got uh and so you know again we had a few times to stop a few chances to stop that uh, but never did yeah, yeah it was it was it was weird after we scored there were for, for about five minutes after we scored we, we did carry on a little bit and, and i think i think paul said it earlier even though he wasn't playing well, there was still a lot of ammunition being provided by Trent. He, he curled, I, I, I sit on the third row, halfway through the Annie road half in, in Lower K- Kenny, so exactly where Trent plays a lot of the time. And he curled two or three balls in around the back of the defence. And and actually, fair play to their defence. They got to them before, but they came very close to Jota and uh, Nunes. But just that in that five-minute period after we scored, but then it, it just all all kind of dropped back a bit and they probably deserved their equaliser, to be fair. They did,
0: that's a fair point, Tom, isn't it? I think I think you have to hold your hands up sometimes and say that you know, although you know we weren't happy with it, you know, for them to go in level at half time was probably a fair reflection of that first half. Although it was disappointing from a Liverpool point of view that after we'd you know, such a lethargic start, and we got the lead. We'd allowed them to get back into the game. So going in a half time, one one. As Salty, you know, mentioned earlier, you know, you you chatting at half time, and you're thinking, right, you know, the 115ers have already won against the minus tens, you know, in the in the in the morning game, and and you're thinking, right, we're we're second in the league now you know, the last thing we want to do is be dropping points at home to Burnley. You know, after losing that Arsenal, that would be that'd be a sort of catastrophe. And so, you know, people are sort of thinking, well, looking at the bench and thinking, what changes can we make? And We weren't expecting any changes half-time. And then, you know, I know you weren't after the game, but Harvey Elliott come out and seemed to do a more intensive warm-up than normal. And... Um, you know, during the interval. And then, you know, a couple of minutes before the team comes out, he's standing on the side, you know, looking to get, get ready to come on. And then everybody's speculating then who's likely to go off. And the what there was only to be fair, Ian behind me said I'd take Trent off. And I turned round to him and said, you must be, you must be joking. We haven't got another right back on the bench. And then, and then everybody else said, oh, I think it'll be endo. And, um, because and then gonna put McAllister back in the six, and then lo and behold, you know, out, out comes the team, and there's no trends. And then thinking he was gonna go right back, and it was Curtis. So what? First of all, what did you make of that change, Tom?
1: Well, I, I thought it'd You know, at half time we were talking about he he had uh, he, he he felt you know the knock. He, he said he he had he felt the pain in, in in his knee again, and and that's they took him off as a precaution and they they talk about it later. But again, like you, legend, you're looking and you're thinking, well, you can see that Eddie is coming on. Then you're thinking, well, who's going to gonna play right back? Because you're thinking, you know, how are they going to work this? But as you say, Curtis dropped back there and was excellent, to be, to, to be fair to him. He'd done exactly what he needed to do. You know, like, and I think... I, 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 then we we get to my favourite thing. I thought uh, Arby Elliot coming on was the catalyst for change for Liverpool. I thought the moment the kid come on, like so many times this season. I know we we've had many discussions about Arby Elliot. I love this. I love this kid. I think. I know everyone says, oh, you know, we don't know where his position is to play. But do you know when he comes on, he, he plays well. He's a He's a really, really positive player. He's direct. He's clever with the ball. He's always looking for the pass. I I, I think he's a fabulous little player. And I think as it happened, I I think that change ended up turning the game for Liverpool. I thought from that moment on, I think Liverpool looked more bright. I thought he looked more decisive. I think, you know, like he started to search out space. And I, I, I think Liverpool looked... Dare I say, I think they look more balanced when he come on you know from that position. And I thought I thought you, you know, like that was the turning point for us.
0: Yeah. Salty, it's it's strange, isn't it? Because you know, as supporters, when you're you know, when you're chatting about things, you know, in, in pre-season and and the start of the season, you think, you know, oh, you know, we need we we'll defend this short and whatever else. If somebody had told you at this before the ball was kicked this season, that for a game in February, your, your, your second half defence would be Jones, Kwanzaa, Van Dyke, and Robertson with Keller in goal. And you would win that game to go back to the top of the league. You would have sort of said, Whoa, don't think so. And then, you know, and then just to pick up what Tom said, I think he made a really good point there. And everybody was saying the same by me and the cop, is that Elliot made a dramatic difference in the second half. He seemed to give us new energy in the midfield. You know, he was, he was very creative, you know, and I thought I thought he was instrumental in us, you know, turning the, the one point that we had at the half-time in, into the
2: three points that we got at the end. Yeah, I, I think he, he made a massive difference. I mean, for me, I, just before the end of the game, I said to the lads around me, I said, he he's my man of the match straight away because he just lifted the team so much, and he, he also had an impact on other players. So, as, as we mentioned a little bit earlier on, I thought McAllister played better with Elliot alongside him. McAllister shifting to, to the left side. I thought Endo came more into the game. It, it, Endo's tempo seemed to increase in the second half. I'm not, I'm not saying it's necessarily all down to Harvey Elliot, but I think I think he increased the, the tempo of the, the team's play as a result of what he did and, and when he came on. And I think some of that might have been down to the fact, I meant to mention this before as well, that the first half, maybe there was a, an impact of the the Man City playing earlier and going top of the, the table because we've not really had that, have we, for, for ages where we're feeling the scoreboard pressure from them. And, you know, I'm not saying it's necessarily playing directly on the players' minds, but, you know, the, the crowd can feel a little bit more... Uh, heads up, if you like, as a result of it. And it almost needed Elliot to come on and just be a little bit more... Right right as soon as he came on, he was just more direct. He was more positive. He seemed to have more um, energy about him. And also, have you noticed how well he takes care of the ball? He really, really does. He takes care of the ball. He's only 20, don't forget. And you still get people saying, yeah, but he can't do it whenever he starts a game. Oh, he doesn't do it. He's an impact player. Blah blah blah. I don't. I think that's a load of. I don't. I don't. Can we swear on this podcast? That's my first. It's my debut. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think that's a load of nonsense to be already writing him off as a starter. He's twenty years old, and he's 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 done things this season that you you know you wouldn't expect him to do. Like yesterday. Do you remember the Palace game? The Palace Definitely, game. Yeah. You know, again, that's Harvey Elliott that wins that game. So. Don't don't anyone be writing him off as he can't start games. He's been unlucky to start not start more games than he actually has, I think.
0: Yeah, it is it is a, a contentious say talking point amongst fans, isn't it, Mike? That you know that Harvey does seem to have had better games when he's come on as a sub than when he started games. And you know, and that's just that's just the way people see it. It's not you know, it's not sort of a detriment to him because, you know, nowadays, you know, especially the way Jürgen sort of likes to use his bench, you're likely to be using sort of 15, 16, you know, five subs a game, so to speak. And um, and so when Harvey's come on in games, he has affected games where, where more often than not when he started... Yo, people of sources. Oh, you know Harvey hasn't been as good today. So, where do you stand in this in this debate?
3: I, I'm not. I'm not bothered either way, really. He's just a. He's just a really good squad player, I, I, and I mean, everyone's a squad player. Um, he's a really good asset to our squad. He brings different things, whether he starts or whether he um, um, comes on, doesn't really matter. Really, I, I think. I think some games are suited to him, other games aren't. But that's true of other players as well. I, I, he absolutely made a massive difference yesterday. What, what I, I There's a bloke who sits behind me who hasn't got a huge amount of time for him. Um, and I said, and I said very, very quickly. I mean, he, he got an assist on, on eight minutes into the second half, didn't he? And I said, there you go. He makes things happen, doesn't he? he, he he's he's intense. He puts it about, he he, he he kind of does an awful lot of work. Inexperience means sometimes he does work in the wrong areas and he tries things he shouldn't and stuff like that. But he, he's, he's only just 20. And so actually, you know, and, and he's a small player and so he's he's going to have to uh, overcome certain things that bigger players don't overcome. But do you know what? He's got the skill. And he's, and he's absolutely got the heart. And he absolutely made a massive difference yesterday. By the way, Arsenal have just gone 1-0 up. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, going on from what
0: what both Mike and Salty said, I know you're, you are a, a sort of, and always have been a big advocate and a fan of Harvey Elliott. I don't think it does him any favours when he's played on the right-hand side as a forward. So, you know, he seems to be better in midfield. And you know, with the extra legs around him this season, you know, and the you know the younger legs around him in midfield this season, I think that you know, following his the difficulty he has last season, he has improved, but he certainly affected the game yesterday in a really, really positive way. And I think that you know, if we hadn't have had him yesterday to to come on from the bench, maybe he was the difference about rather is just talking about Liverpool dropping two points and getting the, uh, the 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 three points that we needed to go on back at the the top of the table.
1: You know he's done that a few times over the season, though, as not You know I think Paul said Crystal Palace. Don't forget the Crystal Palace game. Don't forget the Newcastle game as well. You know like he come on in the Newcastle game with Darwin Nunes and like you. He was instrumental in that in, in 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 us coming and winning that game as well. So he easy as as Mike said, at the moment he's a squad player. He is he's a he's he's so gifted. The trouble for him is is where do you play him, isn't it? And that I suppose that will come in time as he grows a bit older. But you know it it's and and Paul will probably know this more than me. most Salah's took him under his wing and looks after him and gives him loads of encouragements and tells him where you know like and gives him advice and what he should be doing and encouragement and that must improve him as a player so i think i think as mike said i, I think his build up play for the for, for the for the second goal was brilliant i think the cross the cross yeah. for, for Lucio, and, and you've got to give diaz a bit of credit it was a brilliant header really to, to put us two one up i thought you know overall but as you, as you say I think we looked sharper when he come on, and I think I think Liverpool then started to play a little bit, and then started to look as if we were we were going to see the game out, and we played with more intensity. That was the word that we were looking for before. I don't think we had any intensity. I think Nunes started to come into the game, and Jota was more alert and alive at that. And I agree with Paul on that that point with Jota. I think he is a much better footballer this season. Than, than he has been over the last couple of years. He seems to have added, you know, he's he's more direct and when he's running a place, he's really dangerous. So I think I I think that made me feel a little bit better when the second one we went in.
0: Yeah, salty. It was it was a it was a tidy and brave finish by Lucio, as as Tom said. But it was a bit like we on the cop were appealing for a foul on McAllister. Then the ball sort of comes out and ends up in there in the net with a nice header by Lucio. But the the um the the sort of celebrations were they were a little bit muted because nobody really knew what was going on. Uh, you know, Lucio didn't really celebrate that much. He got up as though he were expecting the goal to be chalked off. Um and it was all a bit flat, wasn't it? A little bit, because there was more of a celebration when VAR announced that the goal had been given.
2: Yeah, I mean, if we—I I don't know whether you want to have another. I'm sure you've had many VAR debates on this uh, this podcast, but you're right. Um, McAllister ended up going down, didn't he? And holding his holding his leg, and then it goes out to Elliot, and he he puts the ball in. And I, you know, I thought the Diaz finish was just—it it was a proper centre forward's goal. That it was really brave, you know, because yeah. he, he, he he could have well and truly got a right kick in the head there. Um, and then, yeah, even on the COP, I know you are on the COP as well, as, you know, it, we were sort of celebrating it, but not properly. I think because we knew there was going to be a, a, a VAR check. But then it just gets so frustrating. It, it's it's definitely worse in the ground. And I know not everyone listening to this is, you know, that people listen to this going, well, you're lucky you're even in the ground. And I get that. But when you're in the ground and you've got an incident like that, it seemed to take forever to make what, because they only checked the offside from what I could see. So with that being the case, it seemed pretty obvious to me, and I've watched it back that he wasn't offside. Elliot wasn't offside. So where why why do we have this long delay unless they were unless they were checking for other things? But there's been so many games this season now. The Newcastle game, I think was it all four goals in the Newcastle game at home? We couldn't really celebrate because of VAR. And yeah. I'll say what everyone said before. It, it It is massively, it's taken the fun out of it. And it's not as enjoyable when you can't properly go off your head about a goal. Yeah. Mike, it
0: it was, wasn't it? It, it was, I mean, you probably were in a worse position because of where you sit. And you're probably sat there, you know, thinking what the hell's going on here? What are checking here? We were exactly the same. You know, somebody's saying, oh, are you looking to see if it's on board by Lucio. You know what I mean? Because it, at the way that how how close he was to the yo know, to the goal and how low down he was when he got the header, so it was really frustrating. But it was such a relief, wasn't it, when when the goal was confirmed by VAR because that then you you'll know, give us the lead and you thought right now let's go and get the third one and finish this game off.
3: Yeah, I'm afraid to come so uh, <laughs> oh, 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 There you go. <laughs> there, goes Vir- there goes Virgil. There goes Virgil. Yeah, for it to come so early in the uh, uh, second half was great because it was a real kick in the teeth for them to score so late in the first half and, and we didn't have to wait too long for that. Yeah, I mean, they, they seem to they seem to spend so much longer looking for um, reasons to disallow Liverpool goals than anybody else, don't they? It's a bit weird. Uh, and, and, and that seemed to take about three minutes for, uh, as Paul said, you know the first time i saw that on telly i went yeah well i went that that shouldn't have taken long because it was pretty bloody obvious that it wasn't offside um and it, and it ruins it it's just ruining it that, that the, the cup games where they don't have it well, far better spectacle this season but it was it was a relief and it you, you did feel you did feel like that that it, it, we would go on from there we would learn from the mistakes of the first half and go on from there yeah, Tom, you obviously, you were on the injuries list list yourself with your knee
0: injury. So you were watching the game, let's say, by 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 special powers on the TV. And, um, you know, you probably, and, and Salty's right, isn't it? You know, you probably had a better perspective of what was going on with that goal check than any of us did in the ground. And I think the communication is absolutely awful, you know, when you're in the ground, because it comes up the AR check. And you haven't got a clue what to check in. And then they'll they'll announce then that the VAR check is over and the game's already started. You know, yeah. what, from whatever's happened. there's something got to be done about the communication in the ground. So 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 you'd you'd have had a, a sort of better view of that. But just going on after that, you know, Liverpool tried and there was a few skirmishes and we you know, we couldn't get that, that decisive, you know, third goal and then then Keller made a hell of a save one-on-one that Allison would have been proud of when you know, a Kwon's header bounced off it, you know a Burnley forward and into the path of another one. I think it was Fafana, maybe. And
3: yeah. he
0: was right through, and Keller had come out and made a one-on-one save that Allison would have been proud of. And then they come out in the rebound. You know, the fellas slashed it wide.
1: Brilliant. It was a brilliant save, Les. Yeah, as you said, Ali, Ali would have been really proud of it. He got down really quickly. There's been a lot of people who've said when when Kelly has played this season, he said, you know, like he's not as he's not as good at, at saving at saving shots as, as Ali is when he comes out. But I think he he, he did it twice yesterday. I thought he had done really well both sides, but that save was brilliant. And he missed he, he then goes on the same fella for far, and then gets an even better chance a couple of minutes later. And he and he and he missed the target completely, you know, like which was which was which was bizarre, but then you you sort of felt then uh, that was their chance. They weren't going to get many more chances. But as you say, Keller had done really well. The VAR, what they were looking for, they were looking at McAllister, where the McAllister had fouled. I would fouled the Burnley player. You're joking. I swear to God on the your Bible. They were looking to see if McAllister had fouled and then he held his leg when he dropped to the floor. That was the hold up. He knew right away he was on side. A blind man could have seen he was on side. He was he was he was daft, he was there was no problems at all with the offside. But they were looking at they were going over and over that to see whether
0: and he never I just come back here at that a second. Surely. If they're having to look that many times to see if it's a foul. Surely this this sort of get out of jail free card or phrase as I call it is clear and obvious error by the referee who didn't give a foul. It wasn't clear and obvious, so it's just play on, isn't it?
1: But you would have thought you would have thought, Dan, after after the amount of time that it took And then the decision they looked at the offside, it was a goal. But do you know what another thing that that I've noticed, you know, which which you don't which you don't notice while you're at the match? Do you you know the TV get that decision like a good 30 seconds before before you know the people in the crowd? So they said that the goal's been given. You know what? They, they, so yeah. they're talking to each other, the goal's been given, but still in the crowd, they still haven't given it. And then about 30 seconds later, they, they give the decision. So actually, the TV actually know it's not a goal. And I think that's what it what well, what we were talking about about the communication. How many times on this podcast have I said over, 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 the, over the, the years? VAR kills the spontaneity of football in a football ground. You cannot jump for joy for a goal. The first thing you do, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter, even if you even if it's on the side, the first thing you do is you look when we score a goal, whether the linesman, you look at the linesman, you don't jump for joy anymore. And I think, I, I think as Mike said, I think when we didn't have it in the, in the cup competition, I think it was it, it. made the game better. The referees had a referee instead of relying on VAR, and I think they're not going to get rid of it because it's it's here to stay. But they've got to do something about about how it how they communicate and relay it to the fans on the ground in the ground.
0: Salty. So, so with ten minutes ago, we then finally get the the third goal that the sort of confirms the three points, and it was a fantastic header from Darwin Nunes, wasn't it? And I think when you actually watch it back, you realise then how good the header was compared to what you thought he was in the ground. Because in the ground, I think, you know, a lot of people just thought that it was a flick header. But the way he had to, you know, twist his head to get the power in the direction, I thought he was a fantastic header that
2: any any forward of any area of of Liverpool's greats would have been proud of. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. I actually had a really good view of it because I'm I'm in the cup and I'm I'm not far level off level from where Nunez uh, put it in. And the thing with it was, I mean, we we've talked about Harvey Elliott. It's a great ball by Harvey Elliott, but Nunez has so much to do because the ball is actually behind him almost. So he's he's got, he's got to get his head round and the, the power that he puts in. Considering, as you say, it's not just a flick header. It's it's almost it's almost unnatural what he's done, to be honest, because the ball's behind him and the power he got in. It was a fantastic uh, finish, and it needed that because I was still absolutely papping myself at two one. You know, it's it's a nervous scoreline. All you need, Burnley got a couple of corners, and you're thinking, "Oh God, please, Liverpool, no, don't don't go down this road." But he absolutely settled the nerves, and I thought. Just in general, is playing the second half, Nunez—he was—he was relentless. He didn't stop. All you know, he's closing down. We talked about um, Jota, you know, there, and 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 I think it was Tom said about how his game's improved. Nunez is exactly the same. Klopp, whatever Klopp said last summer, has had a massive impact on his game in terms of of work rate because that second half, he never stopped. There was the goal, and then just after the goal. There's a ball. I can't remember who put it through. There's a ball and he just took it out the sky. His touch was absolutely fantastic. He brings it down and, OK, then he hits it straight at the keeper. I think it was actually a decent save by, by the keeper. But for me, that second half and that goal just shows how much Nunez has come on as an all-round player. Yeah, so it's, it's a fair comment from Salty that night because if you remember, you know,
0: just prior to the goal and I think an important part in Liverpool get that goal, was when Nunes closed down the keeper and also very, very nearly won possession from the keeper who rushed his clearance. And it was from that clearance that ultimately Liverpool got the ball back and, you know, Elliot put over the cross that, that Nunes scored from. So Nunes basically, you know, his work rate basically enabled Liverpool to score that third goal.
3: Yeah, and 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 I think it was when Gakpo came on as well. He moved to the left, and he seemed yeah. to he seemed to get a bit of a new lease of life. Uh, he had he had that right back on toast, and he, he he came very close to some really good deliveries across the box. And any other day, you know, he might have got he might have had a hat trick, and there might have been um, you know a, a couple of assists in there. He's he's a great player. He, 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 he's obviously uh, a, a bit of a rough diamond, but he absolutely scares the wits out of anybody he plays against. Um, and, and I'm glad we've got him. 4 0 at half time, by the way, Arsenal. Flip it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tom, um, you know, it, it enabled
0: Jurgen, you know, to, to you know, Mike's already mentioned then the gap will come on for Diaz. And then with that, with that third goal, it then enabled Liverpool to make three further substitutions with three of the kids, you know, coming on from the bench to give three of the, you know, the, the 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 more experienced players a little bit of a rest for the final few minutes. We seen out the final eight minutes, you know, and thoroughly deserved our three-one victory at the end, and you know, we walked out of Manfield another three points in in the bag, and another, you know, getting closer to the. To the end of the season, but every game now, isn't it, is a it's always like a, a pressure game and a must win game.
1: Yeah, it's just you've just got to look after yourself, Les, isn't it? You? you know, like even with Arsenal winning today, I'm I'm not really I'm I, I would have liked them to drop points today, but like I'm not really I'm not really bothered. We've got to just take care of ourselves. I mean, that's get out some players back from injury and then just concentrate on ourselves. And I think that as you as the lads have said, you it with it being now, it's gonna be a chase, isn't it? So I think Liverpool have been there before and, and they've done it, haven't they? They've chased our, Manchester City down a few times. So I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be an, another season like that. And um, so as as you say, it's just a matter of looking after ourselves and take, concentrating on our own game and seeing games out ourselves. But we need... you know what we do? We need to get some people back. We need to get... It looks like Trent's going to be out for a a little while with this because I don't think they're going to rush him back anyhow, even if it's only a minor minor thing. I think hopefully Conor Bradley will be back this week. I might be ready for Brentford. Joe Gomez and Ali will be back. Hopefully Subozlay, Canate and Mo with a bit of luck. So... You know, that it, it, it's just it's just about making sure that we do our business and that we see our
0: games out and, and don't worry about everybody else. So salty, it'll come to you first on this one. Who was your man of the match yesterday?
2: Oh well I gave it away before, didn't I? Sorry, yeah. I did I, I, oh, I do apologize. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> um for me, there's not. It's it's clearly Harvey Elliott. I don't I don't really. I mean, you could. Yeah, I think there's honourable mentions for for a few players. As we've discussed, Kelleher um, has had his best game for for a long time, and I thought I think Kelleher's confidence was was massively knocked at the end of last season by that that game, that dead rubber of a game at um, Southampton, wasn't it? Where he didn't have he didn't have the best afternoon, and you know I think I think confidence wise, he's perhaps taken. A little bit of a knock, but I think that performance yesterday was really, really good. It was calm, it was assured. You know, it was it was just he, he, he seems quite chilled out, and I think that's a good sign ahead of the, the cup final that he's going to play. And it's great that he's actually got a game ahead of that cup final. I think it's some minutes in his his leg. So I'd, I'd give an honourable mention to him. Um I think I'd also give an honourable mention to, um, to 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 Nunez, the, the front three, really. I think the front three all, all all did really well. All scored a goal, which, again, is really important, all three of them getting a goal. But for me, he changed the game with his energy, his, his, the way he kept the ball, and, and, of course, his two brilliant crosses, and that that's Harvey Elliott, my man of the match. Mike, who's
3: it, getting your votes? It's interesting how your perspective when you're in the crowd of a game, if you're in different parts of the game, you, you see things differently. Ah. Uh, I'm in the kind of Anfield road end of the lower Kenny. And so Harvey was doing most of his work in the cop half of the field. And I couldn't see. It's obviously made a massive difference. I could see more of Endo. And I thought Endo from about 20 minutes was brilliant. But I'm going to give it to somebody we haven't mentioned at all today. I'm going to give it to Jarrell Quadza, because I thought, he was absolutely brilliant and the one time they got through in the second half where he put it wide of the post he was 3 yards offside nobody said anything about that but i was dead in line with the guy was 3 yards offside it wouldn't have been given anyway i thought he won every header he he was he was like he's been playing with virgil for the last 5 years and I just thought he was superb, and 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 I give that purely and simply because from my perspective in the ground I couldn't see up close what Harvey was doing. Most of it was right by the other goal, uh, and so I, I kind of respect that that other people might give it might give it to Harvey.
0: Tom, where where's your vote going? It goes to Harvey Elliott.
1: I thought he was superb, but Mike stole a little bit of me tingo there. My, my honourable mention was going to be Kwanzaa. I think he only made one mistake in the game. I thought Kelleher was excellent, so as, as Paul said, it'll do him the world of good before the cup final. I think that'll help him out and give him a bit of confidence. But I, I thought Tirell was, was superb overall, I think. But again, he, you know we we, we miss our Virgil. I thought you. I thought he had a really good game as well. But he, he has that many good games that we we take him for granted. But overall, I, I thought I, I, thought without it without a doubt, I, I thought Harvey was the best player. He changed the whole tempo of the game. I thought his his two assists and just overall, I think he, I, I just think he was he was the best player on the pitch.
0: Pete sent me a message before the podcast started to say, when you ask for the Man of the Matches, tell yeah. tell everybody that my Man of the Match was endo. So Pete, I've done that for you, mate. Um, but yeah, I mean, another honourable mention I'd like to give as well, although I didn't think you know, he was in contention for Man of the Match, just the fact that he played the the second half you know, in an unfamiliar position at right back, I think you'd have to give Curtis Jones... Real credit for that performance, a right-back. Yeah. Nobody sort of expected to see him playing there. It was obviously an area that the pitch that you would have thought Burling would have targeted. And when you thought that our right side of the defence was Jones and Kwanzaa, which is somebody who's hardly ever played right-back, and a centre-back who's, who's in his first full season, I thought it was commendable, the job that Curtis did there. For me, as I say, a lot of the players that have already been mentioned you know, I thought Darwin Nunes was excellent, Kwanzaa was excellent, Kelleher made the made the saves when was needed to make. But for me it come down to to two players, Endo or RV Elliott. And I think that I have to agree with, with both Tom and Salty on this, and that you know, again, it's from my perspective on the COP, but Elliott's work rate and you know, his contribution to the to getting Liverpool over the line and getting three points. So to get him my vote so Harvey Elliott you know is the man of the match this week so now we move on to Brentford and I'll start with you Tom it'll be a difficult game they've got Ivan Tony back now although I think Magwemba's still out Um, but hopefully by by next week the flu bug will have subsided you know we should at least get Alisson and Gomez back also Canati you know has had a week off now so he should be available after his ban, and then it's just a question then of about you know Mo and supposedly how you're doing you know, after their their sort of recent injuries.
1: Yeah, yeah. we need to win there, don't We it's, it's going to be and you know it's an awkward ground to go to. We, we we don't we don't we always have a hard game whenever we play them down down there. I think they're. They're a hard team to well for us, they're a hard team. They seem to be well, he's got them well organized, hasn't he, Frank? He's he's a he's a decent manager, you know, like and he plays to the strengths. But um yeah, I, I think once once we go down here and we get some some personnel back, I think I I think it'll be like the Chelsea game. I think we'll start better if we get a few bodies back into the side. And also as well, you know. I think Robbo done done well for it I forgot to to mention Andy Robbo because only his second full game back, so he he'll be he'll be right to be in it, you know, to hold his left back position. So uh, I think I, I think we'll be we'll send out a much stronger team down there, and and you know, hopefully, we'll, we'll be we'll see Brentford out quite easy in the end. Hopefully, this time,
0: salty so, it'll be it'll be interesting, will If Trent is out, who and Conor Bradley and Joe Gomez are both available again, is which one of them will start at right back. There is a, you know, Jürgen's mentioned before, hasn't he, about the way that Brentford used the set pieces and the throw-ins. So that could be a case of the vote going to Joe Gomez, who, to be fair, I think on the form he was showing, prior to him getting this flu bug, probably deserves a starting place anyway. Whether that and you know the other thought is and I'll get you on this as well, is whether Joe Gomez should start at left back instead of Robo and Connor Bradley should come in at right back. So if they're both back, he has got a few a few decisions to make and obviously we're expecting you know, if Canati is okay, you know, and is is he's now served his ban that he will be back and you know, take the
2: place of Kwanzaa who again will be unfortunate to lose his place. Yeah, I, I think it's really, um, really good that we've now got a week off. Uh, well, not a week off, but you know we haven't got a game in midweek because um, of, of all the all the sickness that there is going around the camp. It just it just allows them to, I think, have a little bit of a reset. And I think you're right in terms of he's he's got a few dilemmas who he goes for. It, I could see him maybe playing Gomez at right back on Saturday and then bringing Connor bradley in at right back the following wednesday which is the luton game isn't it the luton game's because we've got we've got three games there in in 8 days and they're all massive games they're all you know you can't you can't be taking any chances on on two two league games that we we should be winning and then of course the cup final so i think there might be a little bit of mix, mix and matching from from jürgen and with you saying what you said there about the set plays it might be that gomez is the man for for saturday give bradley a little bit longer you know there shouldn't be any any pressure on him to come back anyway and i don't think there will be but then he, he might be ready then for a for a week on wednesday brentford are a weird team i'm i'm a bit wary of this game this game I, i'm i'm not in any way cocky about it at all because we saw them go one nil up against city last week in that game and yeah city turned it round in the end but they they definitely can give you a bit of a Bit of a scare, and do you know that as much as everyone's going on about uh, Tony, do you know the fella that worries me is Mope. right now? I know you know if there's any Evertonians listening to this, which is very unlikely, um, then they'll be going, "What are you on about?" But he, he's, he's hit of he's hit of um, a decent um, vein of form, and also I think Mope he, he was never really used to his full strength uh, um, at Everton. Him playing off someone. I think he's a far better player playing off someone. So, I'm a little bit worried about the x everton link there catching up with us. But, you know, fingers crossed it'll be three points. Mike, it will be interesting as well
0: what Jürgen does sort of further forward as well. You know, the, you know, I mean, Harvey Elliott didn't have the greatest of games last season at Brentford, if you remember. He, he gave away a goal just after they'd had one disallowed. Um, would you consider starting Harvey after his cameo from the from the bench yesterday to give our to give our midfield a little bit better balance if if Sir Bosley isn't fit? And if you would do that, which one of the uh, of the two would you leave out out of Hendo and McAllister? And the the final question to you is that obviously we're hoping that Mo will be back and available for selection next week. Do you start Mo on the bench? Uh, I'll
3: answer the last question first. I, I, I wouldn't start Mo on the pitch I, if he's if he's remotely fit, and, and I don't think if if you see with with our medical staff, they do tend to do that. They you know will will give him. They'll say he can do twenty minutes or something like that. Um, I, I I I don't see him starting. Um, uh, something about. You are talking about Conor Bradley. I don't think he'll be back for this game anyway, because it's something my wife read that he said uh, in reaction to something. See you at Wembley. So whether he's targeting getting back for the cup final, I don't know. Um, I I think if he's fit, Gomez will play right back, even even if Bradley's back uh, f- for this game in midfield. It's a lottery guessing what um, guessing what uh, Jurgen's going to do in there. I don't ever see it being a massive success when he plays Jones and Elliott in there. So um, the, the times he's done that before, it's it's not gone terribly well. Um, I don't think Saboslay will be back. Uh, so I think either he plays the, the, the first half midfield or the second half midfield um, next week. Um, it might be an opportunity to give Jones a rest and it might be that Harvey's earned his uh earned his start. Um but it's a, it's a lottery predicting who's gonna be picked by and, and, and next thing you know, we'll we'll get to Brentford and Gravenbach's play, playing. So uh, uh it, it, it's a bit it's a bit of a lottery. Um I, I think that Brentford, we've got to match them for effort. If we match them for effort, we'll win the game. It's the old Bob Paisley thing. We've got to turn up. If we turn up, we've got everything we need to beat them. Tom, where are
0: you going? Sorta. Of? You know, with the same questions you asked them. Ask Mike really. Mo, Mo on the bench if fit. And what would you who would you start at right back if they were both available? And you know, what would your midfield be? Or what What? You, what are you guessing that the midfield would be?
1: I think, I think you you he will play Joe Gomez if he's if if, if. Even if Conor Bradley's back, back, I think he'll bring in Joe Gomez because he's, as you said before, he's in the right, hasn't he, Gomez? He's been brilliant this season. He's been really, he's been excellent. And I think that would be a solid back back four with Canarte, with with Gomez, with um, Virgil and with Robo. I think in midfield, Les, I think it's a hard one with the midfield. I, I'd go with McAllister in the sixth because I think McAllister... Is more suited to the six now rather than trying to play him in the eight. If and I, I, again I'm like I'm I'm like Mike. I, I don't know if Sir Bosley will be fitted. By all accounts he's running and he's he's training. So and he, he said he hasn't he doesn't he hasn't got he hasn't got the problem where, where, where they were saying like it's more or less he just felt it and it was a precaution so they pulled him out. So I d I, I don't know that If Sir is fit, I would imagine Sir Bosley would probably start and probably Harvey Elliott will be in with McAllister. Up front, with Mo fit, you feel crazy saying leave Mo out, don't you? But I think the front three have done enough in the last couple of games to deserve to stay in the side, you know what I mean? I think we've done quite well. So I suppose I'd give Mo probably 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes from the bench if he's if he's if he's on the bench to get him ready for looting and for the for the final.
0: Tom, Jürgen actually said, uh, I don't know whether you might have missed this. He said, with Saboz, he said it's his, it's his tendon in the hamstring That's causing him problems. And he said, if you ask asked he says he's fit to play because he's not getting any pain. But it's the tendon that's causing the problem, which is why he actually said that you know he doesn't know whether he'd be fit for, for Brentford or the, the final against Chelsea. So I think we'll have to wait to see on that. For me, going on the team selection, I totally agree with what you said. Joe Gomez would definitely start at right back mm. for me. And in the midfield, if Sabozlay isn't available, I would start with the same midfield that started yesterday. And have Harvey Elliott to bring on as an impact player where I think he does his best work. Um and for me, Mo to start from the bench, I wouldn't like to start him. Um because people tend to think that, you know, when a manager says a player is fit, that you see the best of that player right away. You know, Mo hasn't played now for, for about three weeks since the since he got injured in the AFCON. So to expect him to come back and expect him to be the Mo firing on all cylinders, you know, might be expecting a little bit too much. And, you know, the front three, you know, keep give them another go and give them out, you know, twenty minutes if 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 needed from the bench, or even if we're a couple of goals up at that point, you'll know, give him on, let him get get some minutes in his legs and get ready for the for the upcoming games. So that's my ten penis worth anyway. So Tom, I'll start with you here now and ask you for a for a prediction for for next Saturday morning. And one thing just to say, Tom, before you before you come, I think the last I think I'm right in saying in the, the previous two games where we've played against Brentford i have always been evening kickoffs. Mm. And I don't think evening kickoffs are the easiest Brentford is the easiest place to go for evening kickoffs. This time with it being twelve thirty. You know, maybe it will suit us a little bit more because as as we know from some time from games at Anfield. Yo, the twelve thirty atmospheres aren't always yo the best for the for the home mm. fans. So maybe that will work a little bit in our advantage this time. And again, yo, if we can get the win under our belts, it can put some scoreboard pressure on the likes of yo City and Arsenal behind us. So it is an important an important fixture in the yo in the bigger picture really. So go ahead, Tom. Give us your give us your forecast.
1: I want to go for a scruffy two one, Les. I think I think you know I think we'll I think we'll win there I think we'll come away with the three points but I think it'll be I think it'll be a hard three points I think we'll have to work really well I think a lot of players will have to play well on the day to get it but um I fancy us I, I fancy us to win two one
2: salty do you know what I was going to say two one as well I promise I was going to say two I th- I think that's that's a decent prediction and I think it will be. A, a really, really hard-working performance that gets a result like that. You, you don't. They, they don't give a lot up down, uh, down there at home. Most definitely. So, yeah, uh, two, two, one will do me. Any win will do me. To be honest,
3: Mike. Well, weirdly, I was going to say two-one, and I was even going to say um, that Brentford will score first, uh, and f- then we'll work, we'll, we'll work it back. But f- I, I'm going to, I'm going to, so as I'm not. Uh, so as I'm not um going to follow suit, I'll go 3-1 then. Uh, and we'll score first, they'll equalise, and then we'll get two later on. Right, OK, I'm going to book the send, and I'm going to say, with Ali back in the
0: side, I'm going for a clean sheet for Liverpool this week, and uh, mm. next week against Brentford, and a 2-0 win. Um, and hopefully there'll be, it'll be two goals before half-time, so... We can sit in the second half and relax a little bit. But as you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be, you know, three months of of sort of absolute torture, you know, in, in every game now between now and the end of the season for you know for Liverpool to, to hopefully get over the line and bring go number twenty. So on that note, I will end this edition of the late flag. I'd like to thank Tom, Salty and Mike for joining me this afternoon. And as you always do by ending these podcasts, you'll never walk alone. Justice for the ninety seven and don't buy the sun. Until next time, see you soon.